Frases and dips in coffee asses and things ain't what they used to be. There used to be trends, not very quick. So that brings us, I think, rather neatly on to Far Out, which yes. is, of course, is Alex James's contribution to proceedings here. I don't know what the point is. We've been hearing a great deal about the inner planets, but what about those remote members of the Sun's family, Uranus, Neptune and Pluto? They are not spectacular, but I sometimes feel they are rather neglected because they are fascinating worlds. And this is a good time for talking about them because they are all on view now and they are all pretty near opposition. The token Alex track. That's all it yeah. is. Yeah, but you know, it's it's such a shame. You know, I mean, like, I mean, like I say, I'm not I'm not a huge fan of some of the the, the, the B sides in this era either. You know, some of the things like Got Ya and Super Shopper and Rednecks and all that kind of stuff. You know, I mean, I, those are just B sides, right? But but that's all this is. Yeah, you're right. It's it's just a bit of filler. Um, you know, here's I mean, I mean, you could replace the names of these constellations, planets, stars that that, that is you know whittering on about here with cheeses and it would be exactly the same thing i just it, it just it just leaves me cold and it's it's yeah. funny because it, it things grind to a halt at that point you know you've up until that point despite the fact that we're not big fans of maybe tracy jackson park life right up to that point it's a cracking little pop record like mm. you can be critical about tracy jacks but it sounds fantastic again you know we talk we, we point to stephen street's production right your girls and boys this kind of indie disco anthem to kick things off you're in with a bit of go blimey geezer with tracy jacks you've got the beautiful you know end of a century then you've got the mass sing-along you know arms around the shoulders girlfriend on on your shoulders so she can see the band at the gig it's park life you know it's fantastic then you've got the punk adrenaline thrills of uh, Bank Holiday, and then a bit of Bad Head, that's okay, fine, and then it just grinds to a halt with, you know, the, the musical interlude of The Debt Collector, and then this, and, I, you know, it's, it's difficult to, I mean, if, if you were to pull both of those things out and just go straight to, if you'd gone straight from um, Bad Head into To The End, mm. phew, what, a, what a punch, what, what an emotional kick that would have been. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point, actually. I think with Far Out, it's a typical example of handing one of the non-vocal band members a chance to sing, you know. I mean, I think the most charitable thing I could say about it, it's better than most songs Ringo Starr ever sang on. <laughs> well, my my thoughts, my thoughts on all of those things are well documented. There's no need to go oh, no. into it here. <laughs> right, so anyway, um, I've yeah. already mentioned this, the, the, the to the end thing. Um, but what a beautiful pop record. Hmm. I yeah, mean, yeah, just cl- close to perfection. Dirty world 
grand, it's sweeping, it's orchestral, it's romantic. It, it should really have been a number one. He, he was right, it should have been a number one record. I mean, this was made for the big stages that Blur were beginning to perform on at that time, you know. It has a huge panoramic feel to it that's designed for Dark Nights in massive fields with tens of thousands of fans singing along. I Absolutely. Think. And, uh, it's quite an ambitious song for them as well at this point in their career, and I think it's one of their first real epic ballads. And uh, what, a, what a tune. Absolutely love it, yeah. What about the the uh, Francois Hardy version of this, Nick? Were you a fan of that? Um, yeah, I was actually. I yeah, me it, too. It worked, it worked very well, and uh, I thought it's a real yeah. mod thing, right? I mean, that yeah, that yeah. really is them nailing their colours to the mast at that point, right? Um, yeah. You know, I mean, Francois is the big sort of mod icon, you know, the mm. the real mods, you know. But she probably didn't reach out to the anyway further than M25, but those original London mods, you know, those guys would have been well on board with Francois RD. They would they would have loved that. Um, yeah, yeah, that was a nod. That was more. That was more of a headbutt rather than a nod to the to the the mod movement for sure. Uh, yeah, it was. It was really well done. It was a very inspired choice and obviously a knowing one as well. Well, we go from the outward-looking uh, glories of the French kiss of to the end to London loves. Hmm. I'll go first on this one, Nick. I, I actually quite like London Loves. I, I, I think it's flawed, and actually I think it would probably fit better on The Great Escape in very many ways. And there are things that I could I could definitely take off The Great Escape, and I could slot this in there. I, I think the thing that I like here is there are a couple of lines that I really like. I love that idea of, you know, the mystery of a speeding car and the misery of a speeding heart. I think that's really lovely i like the idea the fact that they use the word malady i love the word malady it's one of my favorite words um and at the time when it came out this is going to be so difficult for anybody who's younger than you and i who's listening to this to to get a grip on because the world has become so much smaller but if you lived where you were out in east anglia or if you lived where i lived in fife in scotland london was another world yeah that's true you know i mean it took me, the first time I went to London to go to either a gig, I think I went to see Morrissey in 1991. That took me something like 12 hours or so on a coach. 
you know, it was a long, long way away. It seemed so romantic. It seemed like a, a place, I mean, gen- I mean, it's such a cliche, but genuinely a place where you went to make things happen. You know, if you, if you made it to London, things were going to happen. And I think that was why I'll always have a bit of a soft spot for London loves. I can see myself sitting in my student digs, listening along to London loves and thinking, yeah, good to go to London, be good to be in London, you know, that's where everything's at, you know, if I, if I was in London, I could go to the good mixer, right, and if I went to the good mixer, <laughs> then maybe I could be in menswear, and if <laughs> I was in menswear, maybe I could go out with, you know, little Sheila, who replaced Donna in Elastica, that'd be good, wouldn't it? Um, uh, first of all, Mr Shadrach, I'd like to thank you for what has been a very happy stay from the firm, uh, but I really do feel that I must see this, um, this new opportunity uh, with both hands. I'm sure you'll appreciate my position. And of course, need I say, uh, the offer of a partnership with yourself and Mr. Duxbury is an extremely attractive incentive for me, uh, but unfortunately, my ambitions lie in other fields. <clears throat> of course. Of course, London's a big place. <clears throat> it's a very big place, Mr. Shadrach. A man can lose himself in London. Lose himself. Lose himself. Lose himself in the London. It's, it's an evocative song for me in lots of ways. What are your thoughts? Yeah, uh, I love it, actually. I love this song. I think it's weird and great. And it has all the quirky, twisted ingredients that make up Blur's most idiosyncratic material. That's what I really like about it. It's that side of Blur that yeah, you know, it's that unsettling side. It's creepy blur. That kind of sits weirdly with with this album. Like you say, it could probably go on the Great Escape because of that slightly uh, milk on the turn kind of feel that that album has. You know, it's something. You know, things were starting to to change for the worst in terms of the Britpop dream souring, and I think yeah. that that kind of this would kind of fit on there quite well. I'm glad it's on Park Life because otherwise it might become an insufferable, chirpy record. I like the fact that there are some kind of darker ones and weirder ones on there. That kind of well, speaking of which, it, yeah. speaking oh, of yeah. which, we come to Trouble in the Message Centre. another one with that off-kilter vibe for sure right again there's some great lines in there you know your thoughts are just pissing away a new typeface a new day you can't remember 10 minutes ago it's Mm -hmm. too much trouble and then that la 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 at the end but again it's it's you're right it's it's kind of off-kilter it's off-center it's slightly eccentric it's slightly wonky yeah Um, i mean it's funny i was just thinking as you were talking i was like you know we started this off and we were really in the mood to give this album a kick in you know what w- once you get past some of the things that we've i think not unfairly criticized 
and for me now we're on a run we're on a run now of tracks where I don't feel quite as ill disposed towards it mm. as I did maybe in those openings sort of four, five or six tracks Bank Holiday, Bad Head, To The End London Loves, Trouble in the Message Centre we're, we're ignoring Debt Collector and Far Out we're just going to pretend that didn't happen You know that, yeah, that that's a great run of records actually all of a sudden yeah yeah I think so too I like Trouble in the Message Centre for that reason that it's kind of dark and nervy but has a real kind of alternative 80s vibe to it I think yeah and it's a strange beast in the middle of this all this chirpiness and uh, I wouldn't go so far as to say I'm a huge fan of the song but I'm glad that it's there and I like the style of it and the contrast it brings definitely makes it a worthy inclusion on there so right then then we get to Clover Over Dover which is another odd little song but I think in a different way what do I think about Clover Over Dover I'm on the white and Again, it's evocative for me, you know, again, it's, it's, it's peculiarly English, it's quite kinksy. You know, yeah. the White Cliffs of Dover, you know, let me push you over. And it has a very delicate kind of guitar sound, almost being picked at. The guitar everything's quite fragile, this song. Um, and it's another one that I, actually, I really like this song. Yeah, I think it's another anomaly for sure. And I think it could have been on Modern Life is Rubbish. I think it could have fitted on there. Um, I don't really have a lot, of, lot to say on that, actually. I think you've said quite, quite succinctly, what I would say about it. Well, that, that's that's interesting. Nick. There's there's a couple of things that we've said would maybe have benefited from either being on Modern Life is Rubbish or from having that Modern Life is Rubbish sound. And I think Clover Over Dover gets closer to Modern Life is Rubbish than almost anything else other than maybe um, Bank Holiday, right? Bank Holiday yeah. has some of the kind of punk spirit of Modern Life is Rubbish. And Clover Over Dover would certainly... I think if you gave it that kind of blue jeans, oily water feel. Yeah, yeah, this kind of slightly nauseating or n- nauseous kind of swimmy feel to it. Yeah, that could have worked. That would be really interesting to hear, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, all right, then we leave England, London and the White Cliffs of Dover, and we head to Magic America. It's sort of about our favourite, our favourite place. Called Magic America. Bell Barrett has a simple dream. He calls it his plan B, where there are buildings in the sky and the air is sugar free. What are your thoughts on this? Again, to keep the uh, the theme going, I think this would have been another one for Modern Life as Rubbish, although I, I think maybe as a, only as a bonus track, so I don't think it had been good enough for me to include, mm. uh, to include on the main track list. But the feel of it, I think, is kind of quite of that era and that stage of their development and uh, has a good sing-along quality to it, though. Uh, but it's a 
still a bit of a filler, really, I think. A decent B-side at best. What do you think? Yeah, I don't think I could say anything <laughs> more than that. It's Yeah, I mean, it's all right, isn't it? It's, it's yeah. a shame because it brings to an end that little run. Look, for people who are listening and getting angry about this, I get it. <laughs> I'm a slightly pudgy, balding slightly juggier middle-aged Scottish man who's never done anything of any note with his life who am I to be suggesting that one of the great British pop records could be improved upon I get it I understand that but you know what you do your podcast and I'll do mine so for, for, for me fact so for me there's there's a little bit of we've touched on it two or three times now I could have lived without Magic America yeah I think so too. Um, you know, the album is what sixteen tracks, fourteen if you if you discount the, the the two musical interludes, which I think we have to. I I think could have been a near perfect eleven track album. Yeah, it could have been tighter, right? I there's think so. There's definitely a bit of meat to have been trimmed off for sure. Um, yeah, it could have it could have definitely been trimmed down. I think. But... Yeah. Okay. Right. Then we find ourselves with Jubilee, which is not about the Jubilee or our Jubilee, it's about somebody called Jubilee. Jubilee yeah. Somebody called Jubilee. And I, I really like Jubilee, actually. It's, it's got lots of things that, that really appeal to me. Uh, there's a line, I think two or three lines in, about somebody, you know, this guy Jubilee, has gone divvy, too much telly. I love yeah. that. And to kickstart tonight's showcase of talent, with a number called Jubilee, it's the incredibly sexy... Yeah, love that. I think I that's a great they, line. They, they use that computer game sound as well. What is that? Like yeah. Astro Wars or whatever it is. I think I actually had that early console with that music. I think just imagining this guy laying on the sofa playing something like that can't be asked to get up and get a job and yeah the imagery is very good and i think for something which is so silly and shallow and shouty which is over in a blink of an eye yeah it's kind of like bank holiday for me it's got a little bit more substance to it than bank holiday yeah it's got it's got more to say in its short amount of time but it's still silly and shouty which i like so that's good Right, let's let's skip track fifteen for a second, Nick, because otherwise we're gonna we're gonna finish uh, ah, on a low. Let let's go to lot one hundred five. Yeah, I mean, I guess there's not a lot to say here, right? It's another one of these musical interludes. Yeah, fine, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. there. It exists. Um, let's now go to what should have finished the album. Um, yeah, that's what I was gonna say about lot one hundred five. Actually, I was gonna say like the album should have just run out on this is a low. Yep. So, well, th- this this is a low. I, I mentioned earlier that much as I love one or two of the other tracks, this is it for me. This is a low.
this is this is one of the the high points in the Blur back catalogue. That's not a new or original thought. I think you ask any Blur fan, this is going to be sitting in their top ten easily, um, and it's just close to being ah uh, not to hell with it. It's it's my <laughs> favourite. It's my favourite Blur song. Um, it, it captures so many things for me that that I loved about Blur, particularly in these very early you know years. The Englishness, the romance, the cultural references. It's it's all wrapped up in there, and yet they they take it to a, a, another level. Um, and it's it's so grand and incredibly intimate at the same time. It's an incredible piece of songwriting. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Me too. It's epic and brilliant, and uh, it's ironic that this is a low is probably the high point of the album. You know, it's, yeah. uh, as we we've discussed before, written when they were feeling lost and homesick. And I think it's the Modern Life is Rubbish US tour, and I think the the shipping forecast was the thing which was taking them back and making them feel homesick and missing the the UK at that time. And I don't think any other song on the album really captures what Damon was talking about at the time and before, you know, this cultural disengagement for what it meant to be British and the, this longing for identity and mm. the need to recapture your own essence in this sea of alien ideas and feelings. I just think, you know, this is a low captures it. It's magnificent. And, uh, I don't think there's much more to say on that. Mm. 